0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Currensville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Currensville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.currensvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And what we're doing is is we're trying to understand or get a firm grasp about what our faith is about. We're trying to understand our faith. Now why are we doing that? Well, because we live in the interesting times, we see a lot of different portrayals about what Christianity is on the news or or we read about or we hear about or or we interact with some people and they think that this is what Christianity is and some people say this is what Christianity is or we're faced with questions about what we believe and, and we don't really know how to respond to that and, and I thought this would be a good book for us to go through, the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans because Paul articulates what the faith is about. What Christianity is about. And and what it's about comes down to one verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. The essence of Christianity is you and I being accepted with God, justified, that is the just, because of our what? faith our trust in God and what he's done and so Paul's been articulating that so he's you know he spent pretty much most of the first three chapters talking about why the world needs God uh, because they're all they're all headed to hell because of their sin he then moves into chapter end of chapter three into chapter four and he talks about the issue of our being accepted with God And the basis of that acceptance is not you. It's not about you. And to reiterate that, as we get into chapter 4, it's not being about you. It's not about your works. It's not about your religious activity. And today we're going to see, when we look at verses 13 through 25, it's not about keeping the rules. What do you mean the rules, George? George? Well, obviously you haven't been around church long enough, have you? When you're involved in church, one of the things you realize is that there are these rules. There's God's law, which is what we're going to talk about today. But then there's all the other things that we heap on top of God's law that you're supposed to do in order to be what? Accepted with God. In order for you to be justified before him, in order for you to be in a good relationship with him. But the problem is, is what you're going to find out. He's already told us the basis for our salvation, the basis for our being accepted with God, does it have anything to do with you? No. People are quiet. Does it have anything to do with you? No. No, it doesn't. It has to do with who, folks? Jesus, right? So... Again, we already talked about it last week. It's not by your works, not all the good things you're doing, and the fact that you're not doing bad things. It's not by your religious activity. So whether or not you show up here or give or serve, that's not affecting your acceptance with God. And today, he's going to just flat out say, it's not about keeping the law. And he's going to illustrate that to us through a guy who was justified by the name of Abraham, who was justified 400 years before the law was even given. To make you and I realize that it's not about rules. But isn't that interesting? You talk to most people on the street today, and you ask them about church, and you ask them about Christianity, more than likely what you're going to hear is, is that, well, I couldn't take the rules. All they're interested in is how I'm supposed to be doing this. And so they always emphasize that we seem to somehow communicate to the world around us that it's about keeping the what? Rules. But that's not what it's about at all. It's about faith. And that's what we're going to see here. When we look at this passage, we're going to see that it's not by law, but that it's by faith. So let's look at this together. So if you want to look with me, we're going to start with verse 13. Verse Here's what Paul writes for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law there is no transgression therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed not only to those who are of the law but to those who are of faith who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken." so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that he had promised ...that what he had promised he was able to perform. Therefore, it was accorded to him for righteousness. But it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us, also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And who has delivered up because of our, who was delivered up because of our offenses and who was raised because of our justification. All right, so let's take a look at this. You and I are going to see today, again, just continuing that thought throughout this whole section, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And just to reiterate the point, it's not about the rules and the law. So how do we see that? First of all, not by the law. First thing I want you to notice is this. Verse 13, he's going to make the point here verse 13 for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith so here's the first thing i want you to see the promise does not come by keeping the law but by faith now for abraham the promise was that he would have a what a son And that promise was given to him not because he was keeping the law. First of all, remember I told you the law didn't even exist at that point. The law came through Moses 400 years later. The law is not the issue. It's his faith. Who did Abraham have faith in? God. And God said, I'll make you the father of many nations. And so Paul's wanting you to understand that the promise doesn't come through keeping the law. Now what is the promise for us? Because it's not a promise of a son for you and I. Well the promise for you and I is this. Salvation. The forgiveness of our sins. Eternal life. The renewed relationship with God. His acceptance. His And so all of that that I just mentioned to you there, salvation, doesn't come through you keeping the law. What do you mean it doesn't come, George? I'm trying, just like some of the people I meet. I try to follow the golden rule and the Ten Commandments. By the way, the golden rule is what Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then the Ten Commandments, well, we know what the Ten Commandments are. But can I be honest with you? Fine. Fine. You can't even do that. Really? Do unto others as they, as you would have them do unto you? How good are you at doing that? Oh, I'm trying. Yeah, how do you handle the telemarketer who calls you on the phone about the extended warranty for the car you no longer own? Don't talk about that. That's my point. The reality is, is we can't do it. So it can't be through keeping the law. It has to be through what, folks? Faith. Trust in him. Because it's not about you and me. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We see it in verses 14 and 15. Keeping the law makes faith meaningless and the promise worthless. Here's what he says in verse 14 and 15. He says... For if those who are of the law were are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Listen to me. What makes salvation wonderful and great is not that you earn it, What makes it so wonderful and great is that it was given to you in spite of you as a gift. It becomes precious to you. When you earn something, it doesn't become precious. It becomes meaningless. It becomes void because you can say, yeah, that's really not from God. It's from me because I jumped through all of these hoops. And that was tough. I I was able to make it. Yeah, but you're not able to make it. And it's not your efforts, because you don't have enough in you to do it. And so if you think keeping the law is what is going to keep you right with God, you've got another thing coming. I'm just being honest with you. There is nothing you can do to gain his acceptance with him. You are not going to impress him with your stuff. He's already impressed with you because he loves you and because of what Jesus has done for you. This is what Paul's saying here. It's not by the law. Here's here's the next thing he says. The promise has come by faith so that it's a result of God's grace. Look with me at verse 16 and 17. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, he gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. It's through faith. You know, I I hear this question a lot of times, and and sometimes we use it in our gospel presentations. We'll say to people, when you go before God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? First of all, that question isn't going to happen, but we typically say that. And we'll say, well, you know, because of this, because I had faith or whatever. I'm going to be honest, that question isn't even going to be asked. Why? Why? Because nobody's going to stand before him and say to him, I should be here because of this. Because the fact is, we see from Revelation at the judgment, the books will be opened. We're all going to know why we shouldn't be there. And those who are going to be there are knowing knowing that they're going to be there simply because, not because of ourselves, but because what? Because I trust you, Jesus. Because of you, Jesus. It's not because of me. Did you understand what I'm saying? We have no justification to be before him. It's all him. It's not you. It's him. It's not by your works. It's not by the law. It's not by your religious activity. It's not about you. It's about who, folks? Jesus. Jesus. So he reiterates this by emphasizing, which is what we're going to see the last half here now of this this passage, that it's by faith. And faith, can I say something to you, is more than just belief. Because a lot of people will say that they believe in the Son of God. But that doesn't mean they have faith. Faith goes beyond just simple belief. Faith is trust in. And I've talked to you before about that. You know, I've, this last week I went to go see one of my doctor's appointments. And you go in there and you see all these certificates and stuff. And you know they're a doctor. But when they tell you, George, cut down on this. Quit. George, quit doing this. George, think about this. I have a decision to make. I can believe they're a doctor. But do I what? What? Trust them. Have faith in what they're saying to me. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's what faith is. It's moving beyond belief into trust. And that's what the emphasis of faith is in the scripture. And here's what it says. Look with me. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the faith that Abraham has. Notice with me verse 18 and 19. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay, so here's the circumstance that he's facing, okay? He's facing a situation where he's promised a son. Well, by this point, he's a hundred years old, And Sarah is 90. Sarah has already gone through the change of life for a woman. So she's no longer producing eggs to to ovulate, to to possibly have an heir. She's beyond that point. In fact, they would say their bodies are dead. That's what the scripture is saying here. They're alive, but really they're dead. Their, Their hopes of reproduction are gone. And so there is no hope, but in spite of there being no hope, he has what? Hope. Trust in God. So now listen to me. So you remember the story when when God came with two angels and, and, and Abraham's entertaining them and he's talking about he's going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And in the meantime, he says, where's Sarah? Oh, by the way, Sarah, by this time next year, she's going to have a baby. And Sarah's in the background listening through the wall of the tent because she's doing the serving. She laughs because, let's be honest, she's 90 years old. That just sounds crazy, right? And God says, why did she laugh? Well, then she, of course, denies it. The point is, it's beyond hope. But this is what faith is. So here's the point I want you to see. Faith trusts God in spite of circumstances and limitations that crush hope. Faith trusts God. Faith trusts Him. All right, so let me bring it down to where you are and I are at right now. So let's be honest with ourselves. In your mind, I want you to be honest with you, okay? Okay. I'm going to be honest with me. I want you to be honest with yourself. We really don't have a leg to stand on. We're not that good. Our lives are filled with the closets of our secrets. They're filled with the regrets of shame, of things that we've done in the past that we wish we could get rid of in our minds. If they were exposed, we would be humiliated. And then to stand before somebody like God, who knows it all. Who sees right through us. Because like if I'm talking to you, I can't see, all I see is your face. I can't see what's going on in your mind right now. I don't see those closets. You see them yourselves. And the reality is, is if, 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 if the reality was brought to you that somehow you could gain salvation by yourself, you would have to admit, like Abraham, because of circumstances and because of the situation, you don't have any hope in and of yourself. None. Whatsoever. So it's not by the law. It's not about you. But faith trusts God in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the limitations that would crush our hope of acceptance with God. Faith trusts in him because we know it has nothing to do with us. So it doesn't matter what the closets are in your life. It doesn't matter what the regrets are and the shame. It doesn't matter what the guilt is. It matters what Jesus did for you. Do you understand? In spite of you. Do you see the point? It's about faith. Trusting him in spite of the circumstances and the limitations. And buddy, ladies, friends, we are definitely limited, aren't we? But he loves us. Here's the second thing he points out. Look with me at verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Faith does not allow unbelief to shake our hope in the promise. All right, I want you to hear me. Sometimes we think that as a Christian, we should never wrestle with doubts. I've heard that sometimes. Christians don't doubt. Can I tell you something? That is baloney. If you are a normal human being who knows Jesus, you have questions, you doubt, you ask questions, you think in your mind, how is this possible? Doubts are part of our lives. But here's what I want you to see. This is the point that even, even listen to me, even Abraham had doubts. Why? At one point, he was wondering, is this promise going to happen? And Sarah says, Well, take my handmaid. And he has another, has a son through Hagar, Ishmael. Why? Because he was wavering on the promise. And doubts happen, right? Especially if you're getting old and you're getting to the point where it's almost useless now, it's without hope. But the fact is, Abraham did not allow. Unbelief to deter him. Why? Faith kept trucking on with him. And that's what needs to happen in your life. You're going to face doubts. You'll face doubts this week. But what you need to cling to is what? Your hope, your faith, your trust in who? Jesus. Faith does not allow unbelief to shake our hope in the promise. Don't ever question. Whether or not he loves you. Natural thing we do, right? As soon as a problem happens, don't you love me, God? We say that kind of stuff. Don't ever question that. That's doubt. Faith holds on. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Look with me, verse 21. And this is what I want you to see. Verse 21. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Here's what it is faith is convinced of the promise and acts on it. This is, this is the reality. Can I, can I be honest with you? We don't just live with, well, I hope it's going to be okay when I die, I hope I'm going to see my loved ones who went on to be with the Lord. I hope there is forgiveness. Faith is convinced that I'm going to be with the Lord. And I'm going to be with those of my loved ones who who were with him. I know I will see them again. Like David says, I know I will see when he talks about the little one that died. I know that I will see him. What, What was that? That was an expression of convinced faith. Faith is in the promise and you know that it had nothing to do with him because by the way the guy who's saying that, he's the reason why the baby's dead. He's the reason, he's the guy that really messed up royally, literally royally. He's the king and yet he has faith in God in the promise and he acts on it. Too many of us are so wavering in our Christian lives we forgotten to act on our faith that we believe that he loves me and forgives me that he's given me a new hope and a new life and we need to act on it faith acts on it here's the final thing well actually I got two more things normally I do them in groups of four I did this one of five here's what I want you to see verse 22 And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 22. Faith and trust in God results in our acceptance with God. Bottom line. Put a star by that one. Listen to me. You want to know how you're accepted with God? Listen to me. It is not because you're doing all the right stuff. Now it's good that you're doing all the right stuff. Do you understand? But that's not how you gain acceptance with God. He doesn't have a brownie point chart for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't have a little chart where he puts a gold star. It's not a behavior chart for you, okay? Check out all my gold stars. No, that doesn't exist with him. His love and acceptance of you has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what? Your faith and trust in him, period. Period. You are accepted by him. You are justified by him. You are declared righteous by him. Now let me explain that to you. What does it mean to be declared righteous? Okay. I want you to picture this. Think, picture in your mind, this morning you got up, you had to brush your teeth, you're looking in the mirror, and there's you. Okay? And whatever state you're in, whether you just, right before you get in the shower, before you combed your hair, sleep still in your eyes, whatever, there's you. Okay? Okay? And when you saw you, was the first thing that came out of your mouth, was, wow, what a righteous dude or gal. Aren't I good? Now, if it was like me, you were thinking, man, I wish I could go back to bed. I'd have to look at this. What am I saying? You know that you're not good enough. But it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And he has declared you righteous. What does that mean? When he declares you righteous, it's like he takes the slate. So if you think of us as a big chalkboard, and I've got all my junk written down here, he comes with a with a rag and wipes it all off, and there won't even be chalk dust there. I am clean. I am perfect i am declared righteous by god when you in fact know that you're not but he sees you as righteous why because of your what faith faith and trust results in our acceptance with god so then he tells us just to remind us that's why he's talking about abraham look with me at verse 23 Now, it was not written for his sake alone. So, God didn't give us that in the Bible for the sake of Abraham, is what he's saying. It was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. So, it wasn't just a record of what God did. Here's what he says. But also for us. Who's the us? Is it the other church across town? No, it's us. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Here's what I want you to see. Abraham's testimony was given as a reminder to all who believe. Now why would he do that? Because he understands us. What do you mean he understands this? Well, I want you to think about it for a moment. You think about your typical week. How often do you do things wrong? Daily? Hourly? Sometimes moment by moment, right? So do you ever get to the point where you think... Even though you know all of what I've talked about, and it's not by—it's not about you, it's about God, it's not about your works, it's not about your spiritual actions, it's not about the law, you know that it's by faith. But do you ever get to the point, I know I get there, I'm assuming you do, but do you ever get to the point where you, you think about all the stuff you've done wrong, and so somehow you have this moment, and by, by the way, you've got an enemy who will remind you, the accuser of the brethren, who tells you all of the stuff you do wrong. Do you ever think there's a point where you think to yourself, well, yeah, but you didn't consider that I would do this. You didn't consider, Lord, that I would do this wrong thing. And so therefore, I know that you have changed towards me. Because otherwise, I wouldn't be going through these problems right now. So therefore, God... I I, I I just think right now you don't love me. Or therefore, God, I think right now you're not accepting with me. Or, or therefore, God, I think that right now you're upset with me because of this stuff in my life. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Paul's saying, for you who and I who struggle with the acceptance of God in our life, this is why the testimony of Abraham is written here. So that you can see that way before the law ever came about, There was a guy who was declared righteous and it was imputed to him righteousness because of one thing only, faith, trust, and it's not about you. I have to be reminded of that daily and so do you. It's not about you folks, it's about who? Jesus. Now here's the wonderful thing. I hope you come back next week because why? Because next week, when we get into chapter 5, he's going to talk about the benefits of being accepted by God. The benefits? Yeah. Because we are accepted with God, that means something. And we're going to look at that next week. But right now, what I need you to grasp is it's not about you, folks. It's about Jesus. So let me pray for you.